All right, welcome back. I know I promised this last week, but I got very busy. I was unable to get put everything together, but here it is, the first episode of the Top 100, numbers 100 to 81. Let's waste no time, get right into it. Hit that music. You're listening to The Assist with Trevor Hart. Number 100, Larry Johnson. If there's anyone to point to in terms of who Zion Williamson can look like in the NBA when healthy, it would be Larry Johnson. The first overall pick in a 1991 NBA draft, Grandma Ma seemed to jump as high as he could bench, which was a ton. 1991-92 rookie of the year had to change the style of play after many injuries to his back. Possible foreshadowing for Zion? He developed an outside shot, which helped him alongside Alonzo Mourning in Charlotte, and unfortunately for me, helped him hit a miraculous three-pointer against the Pacers to tie the game for the Knicks in a 1999 Eastern Conference Finals. Johnson made a good catch. Johnson is fouled. Johnson was a player that could have truly had a better career if it wasn't for injuries that had him only reach two All-Star games in 10 seasons. Number 99, Tony Parker. Using a nauseating combination of speed and hesitation, Tony Parker left plenty defenders behind as he took it towards the basket. Once a newly inducted Hall of Famer got there, he had many options. Teardrop floater, a dizzying spin move, or a ridiculous circus shot that would make you think that he couldn't do that again if he had 100 tries. Well, he had plenty more tries and made them quite often. The six-time All-Star was the ignition for the 2000 Spurs dynasty alongside Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili for most of the 17 seasons in Lone Star State. He even got to play with David Robinson near the beginning of his career and Kawhi Leonard for a decent chunk at the end of his Spurs career. Parker would average 24.5 points, 5 rebounds, and 3.3 assists per game in the 2007 Finals, and that would secure him a Finals MVP in the 4-0 sweep over the LeBron James-led Cavs. His highlights may not be as viewed as other point guards in his era, like Nash or Kidd, but he was an incredibly important piece for a franchise that would win championships in two different decades. Who knows? Spurs may not have won a few of those championships without TP running the point. Number 98, Nate Archibald. Silas clears for the NBA and they start to run Archibald. Barry is back, lead pass to Love, and now the NBA has come back to within one at 60-59. A player who can be considered to have two careers, Tiny Archibald was an unbelievable point guard in the first half of his career. An incredible scorer, he still holds the record for most points per game in a season for a point guard with 34 in 1972-73. How crazy is that? 
Oh yeah, he also led the league in assists with 11.4 in that same season. The only season where a player has led the league in both categories. Being a three-time All-Star, he was set to continue his great scoring run. Then he tore his Achilles and missed the 77-78 season. He then goes to Boston where he would become a veteran leader for the early years of Larry Bird's and Kevin McHale's career. Tiny would go on to be in three more All-Star games, that's six total for the career, even winning All-Star Game MVP in 1980-81. The Hall of Famer would win his only championship in that same year as the Celtics beat the Rockets in a six-game series where he would average 10 points and five assists a game. Number 97, Draymond Green. As Smart gets into the front court, finds Brown. Brown goes inside, blocked by Green. Terrific defensive play from Draymond Green, who has some words for Jalen Brown. Good job by Draymond Green. No contact. Outstanding. A defense. defensive anchor for the latest NBA dynasty, Draymond Green has fueled the Golden State Warriors for just a shade over a decade. Drafted with a 35th pick out of Michigan State in 2012, Green has always had a chip on his shoulder. Uh, number one, Anthony Davis. Number two, Michael K. Gilchrist. Number three, Brad Bill. Number four, Deion Waiters. Number five, Thomas Robinson. Number six, Damian Lillard. Seven, HB. Eight was Terrence Ross. Nine was Andre Drummond. Ten was... Austin, uh, Austin Rivers. 11 was Myers Leonard. Um, 12 was Jeremy Lamb. 13 was Kendall, Kendall Marshall. The second round pick paid off for the Warriors as Green would become a four-time All-Star. One for every championship that he has. He is also a two-time All-NBA player and an eight-time All-Defensive player, including a great 2016-2017 campaign where he would be the steals leader as a power forward, helping him secure Defensive Player of the Year. You can see in his film that he is a great defender that lulls the ball handler into a false sense of security before spiking the ball into the hardwood. He even times blocks extremely well when coming over to help, which is incredibly impressive for a 6'6", 230-pound power forward in a league where anyone can easily dump off a pass down low to the guy he just left to come over and help. He's also the perfect example of a guy who you reward on the offensive end just because of how hard he works on the other side of the court. Is he arrogant? Yeah. But he's got four rings and a defensive reputation to back it up. Is he dirty? Absolutely. But I think Draymond, kind of like Bill Lambeer is never afraid to don the black hat. Number 96, Vince Carter. Game is the decisions that he's making tonight, when to shoot and when to pass. Again, Alonzo Mourning changing a shot. This lead of eight, Miami's largest of the game, but talk about large. How about that slam dunk from Vince Carter? What body control and what power by Carter? Well, again, he goes to the basket as strong as anybody in the league. Probably the closest player to a bird on the basketball court that we have ever seen. Vince Carter was the maestro of highlight dunks. His Vince Sanity single-handedly brought back the dunk contest and cemented its place on All-Star Saturday night which was never its fate from the get-go. He was more than just a dunker on fast breaks. The 1998-99 Rookie of the Year also had a smooth jump shot and was fairly clutch when necessary, 
Having the jump shot turned him from a one-note player to an eight-time All-Star. Having played 22 seasons, he never averaged under five points per game, which came in his age 43 season, which was his final as he played 60 games. Having played over 1,500 games, VC averaged 16.7 points for the career. Number 95, Willis Reed. The captain enters the list due to him being the centerpiece of the 1970s Knicks. Everyone may know him for running out of the tunnel in Game 7 when injured in the 1970 NBA Finals to lift the Knicks' spirits and finish off the Lakers. Reed accomplished so much in 10 years, including 7-time All-Star, in each of his first seven years, five-time All-NBA, 64-65, Rookie of the Year, 69-70 MVP, and a two-time Finals MVP with an obvious 1982 Hall of Fame selection. Number 94, Bill Walton. Rose comes top of the screen, Walton rolled off the pick beautifully. One of the most unique humans to ever step on the hardwood, Bill Walton had a somewhat unique career of his own. Starting out as a dominant centerpiece for the 1970s Portland Trailblazers, vaulting them to the 1977 title, and that was a year in which he was the block and rebound champ, an all-star, and the finals MVP. He followed that campaign winning the MVP, averaging... 18.9 points, 13.2 rebounds, 5 assists, 2.5 blocks, and 1 steal per game. We're talking about a center here. But foot injuries plagued the next four years of his career, only playing in one of those years in San Diego. He would do okay in San Diego slash LA for the Clippers but he was revitalized in Boston where he joined forces with Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, and Dennis Johnson. He would win a championship with the Celtics and win Sixth Man of the Year in 1985-86, solidifying his Hall of Fame induction in 1993. Number 93, Artis Gilmore. Our first ABA player was a dominant force for the Kentucky Colonels, winning both Rookie of the Year and MVP in 1971-72. Standing at a towering 7'2", without counting his afro, he was one of the four main attractions in the ABA. But it wasn't enough as the Colonels would not make it to the NBA in the 1976 merger. Gilmore was selected with the first pick in the ABA dispersal draft by the Bulls, who had to pay $1.1 million to select him, the highest price given to a player in that dispersal draft. Just for a quick reference, Marvin Barnes was the second highest price tag at $500,000, and Moses Malone was the third highest at $350,000. And this was what the NBA based their value at during this draft. And I think this was kind of like a signing bonus thing. But Gilmore was one of many former ABA players to prove that it wasn't all fun and games in the NBA's rival league. In his first year, he 
was fourth in rebounds and top five in blocks in that inaugural NBA season. He would nab four more All-Star nominations in Chicago to go with his five ABA All-Star appearances. He would then be traded to San Antonio where he would get two more All-Star nods, making the total 11 before going back to Chicago for a 24-game stint and finishing his career in Boston for the rest of the 87-88 season. He would average 18.8 points, 12.3 rebounds, and 2.4 blocks per game for his Hall of Fame career. Number 92, Chris Mullen. Hip with that one, but he was had great concentration to finish it off. There's a spot-up shot again by Mullen. From Hardaway, you can book that. Anytime Mullen gets a look at the basket, 9 out of 10 times, Bobby's going to One-third of one of the most iconic power trios in basketball. Mullen's jump shot is one of the smoothest that the game has seen. The five-time All-Star may be known more for what he did outside of the NBA, like leading St. John's to national prominence or being a part of the 1992 Dream Team. But do not underestimate the Southpaw's skill in the league. He would only average less than double-figure scoring twice which were in his final two seasons at the age of 36 and 37. He was also an Ironman of sorts as he led the league in games played five times, twice including his age 34 and 35 seasons. He also led the league in minutes played in the middle of his five straight All-Star campaigns. Mullen 100% brought a New York attitude to the Bay, Indiana, and then the Hall of Fame. Number 91, Michael Cooper. Possibly the best defender of his generation, Coop was a great piece of showtime in L.A. Cooper truly proved that a team needs defense in order to be successful. Who knows what showtime could have been without Mike guarding every team's best player when needed. In 12 seasons, he made all-defensive team eight times while helping L.A. win five championships. And, an added bonus, being one of Magic's favorite pass catchers with the Koopa Loop. Cooper had great vision and athleticism that helped him win 1986-87 Defense Player Year as the Lakers' sixth man. Not bad for a third-round pick taken with the 60th pick out of New Mexico. I've said it once, I will say it again. Put him in the hall. Number 90. George Mikan. Basketball had never been ruled by giants. No banging bodies. No feeding the big man. No attacking the basket. Instead, you made basketball bigger. Made spectacles a spectacle. You made me, me. And now, because of you... Although his name makes any basketball player flinch, Mikan delivered much more to basketball than the drill that bears his name. He was basketball's first star as he started his career in the BAA for the Lakers in 1948-49. For as legendary as he is, some may be surprised that Mike only played seven years of professional basketball. He would lead the league in points per game for his first three years and would lead in rebounds for two additional years. His lowest points per game average was 10.5 
which he did in his age 31 season after he had been retired for a year. Mikan is a legend's legend, whose nickname is literally Mr. Basketball. Four-time All-Star would make the Hall of Fame in 1959. Number 89, Walt Frazier. 15 points for Frazier. West trying to get away from Reardon. Gives to Chamberlain, but it's stolen away by Frazier. Frazier number 10. Not as much for his style as his play. Clyde represented flashiness on and off the court. Frazier was the point guard of the Knicks and was huge in her two championships. In 1970, with Willis Reed being out in most of Game 7, he put on a performance that ESPN considers the best in a Game 7. He had 36 points, 19 assists, 7 rebounds, and 6 steals to close out the Lakers. He would then be joined by Earl Monroe in 1971-72 to form a strong candidate for the greatest backcourt duo of all time. Knicks would win again in 1973 when a seven-time all-defensive player guarded Jerry West throughout the series and kept him from leading his team in scoring. Clyde would be a seven-time All-Star, including a 74-75 All-Star MVP, which would only help boost his Hall of Fame resume to be inducted in 1987. Number 88, Rick Barry. Back comes Kevin Porter. When that young man scores for this team, they really go. And Rick Barry has not missed a free throw against Washington. Although one of the least likable players for his arrogance, Barry has a huge resume to back up his play. He was a 12-time All-Star in 14 seasons, only missing in his final two years of play. He would take the NBA by storm in his first two years with the Warriors, winning 65-66, Rookie of the Year, and leading the league in scoring in his second year at 35.6 points per game. He would then jump to the ABA, one of the first to do so, to play for the Oakland Oaks, and his father-in-law head coach. But he was unable to play in 1967-68 due to the controversial reserve clause that the Warriors held over him. If you know sports history, you may know the reserve clause being extremely controversial in baseball until uh, Kurt Flood took it all the way to the Supreme Court and it was banished. He would play 35 games the next year as the Oaks would win the ABA championship just for the team to move to Washington, D.C., if that is not the ABA for you. He would make it back to the NBA in 72-73 for the Warriors. In 70, the 74-75 season would be his Hall of Fame sealer as he would lead the league in steals and lead the Warriors to the 1975 championship and the finals MVP. Number 87, Pete Maravich. He missed about three or four shots. Now he can't miss anything. Oh, yeah, he's playing like he want to stay in. But the 80s got... One of the most creative players to ever play, Pistol P had a career that is somewhat shrouded in mystery. One of those things where not a lot of film on him, it's just legendary. Once again, a player that is probably more known for his college days at LSU, where he still holds the all-time NCAA scoring record at 3,667 points, Pistol had a heck of a career in the NBA as well. 
In 10 years, he made five All-Star games and went lead the league in scoring in 1976-77 at 31.1 points per game. He would average 24.2 points per game and 5.4 for assists for his career. Number 86, Manu Ginobili. Mills kicks it out to Manu. Three seconds, two of the shot. Yes! Manu Ginobili! Acrobatic artist around the rim. Manu was a huge piece in the Spurs dynasty. An absolute steal in the 1999 draft as he went 57th overall. He started off his career hot in 0203, making an all-rookie team. The two-time All-Star was a six-man's six-man, as he would only start in a majority of games for three seasons of his career, two of those being his All-Star appearances. He won six-man of the year in 07-08, as among the greatest players at that vital position. All of these accolades, along with four rings, brought him into the Hall of Fame in 2022. Number 85, Bob Cousy. Having two nicknames related to the wizarding world, Cousy obviously astounded people with his ability on the court. The amount of X's that line the top of his basketball reference page is astounding in his, on its own. 13-time All-Star in 14 years. 8-time assist champion. 6-time NBA champion. 12-time All-NBA. 2-time All-Star Game MVP. Along with the 56-57 MVP. He went from being the Wizard of Worcester at Holy Cross to the Houdini of the Hardwood in Boston or the great Red Auerbach as he led the game's first great fast break. I've said it plenty of times, fast breaks are the key to great basketball throughout the entire history of the NBA. He never slowed down his 20 points per game scoring production until his last couple of years in Boston even when Bill Russell joined him in his seventh season there. He would finish his career in Cincinnati playing seven games for the Royals as he would also hold the head coach position. Six years after he had retired initially, he would be inducted to the Hall of Fame in 1971 in Gotown as the first great point guard of the game. Number 84, Bob McAdoo. One of the most underrated scores ever, McAdoo's career can be described the exact same way. He started off his career well by averaging 18 points and 9.1 rebounds per game on his way to winning 72-73 Rookie of the Year. He then won three consecutive scoring championships, including in 1976, where he was pinned by Sports Illustrated to be, quote, the hottest shot in the game, unquote. He would also make all five of his All-Star games consecutively after his rookie season. He would bounce around the league from Buffalo to New York to Boston to Detroit to New Jersey until he settled down in L.A. for four years with the Lakers. The 1974-75 MVP would come off of the bench for the stacked Showtime Lakers and would nab two championships in the process. He would then play one year in Philly where he would still average 10.1 points per game to end his career. He would be inducted into the Hall of Fame 
in the year 2000. Number 83, Robert Parrish. The man controlling the paint for the Celtics in the 1980s, Parrish is the definition of longevity. Starting out his career in the Bay with the Warriors, he was a solid player, but never an all-star. That all changed when he was a part of one of the most lopsided trades ever, where he and a future 1980 draft pick were sent to Boston in exchange for two first-round picks. The two picks that went to Golden State, Ricky Brown and Joe Barry Carroll. Boiler up. The pick that went to Boston with the Chief, Kevin McHale. Parrish would then make the All-Star team the next seven years before taking a two-year hiatus before making two more, taking the total up to nine. He would spend his age 27 to 40-year seasons in Boston, winning three championships along the way. Oh, you thought he was done? Parrish would play until he was 43 years old with two years in Charlotte and his final year in Chicago where he would receive his fourth ring. Parrish still leads the NBA in total games played with 1,611, leading Kareem Abdul-Jabbar by 51 games. He would make the Hall of Fame in 2003. Number 82, Chris Bosh. It'll be Wade up top. He gets a pick from Bosh. Hall of Fame career cut way too short. Bosch probably could have retired in 2010 and still made the Hall no problem. Being the fourth pick in one of the greatest draft classes ever, Bosch had plenty of expectations with his classmates LeBron, Carmelo, and Dwayne doing so well. I don't even have to mention their last names, you know who I'm talking about. He would still make All-Rookie and would make five All-Star games in Toronto. He would then become a villain and join Dwayne Wade in Miami, which wouldn't have been that villainous of a move if LeBron James didn't come to. Bosch would become the all would become the All Star stretch four for the Heat, making six in Miami, making all eleven of his All Star appearances consecutive. He would start in almost every game he played for his career, only coming off the bench for twelve games in his rookie year. Unfortunately. Bosch would have blood clots that would have put his life in jeopardy if he was to ta- if he was to play anymore. So his Hall of Fame career would end at the age of 32, and he would make that Hall in 2021. Number 81, Mitch Richmond. Godman for rebounding. Richmond lost there, but Hurley collects. Richmond from the corner for three. The second third of run TMC, Richmond was the high-volume scorer that made them so popular over his three years in Golden State. He would start off strong, winning Rookie of the Year in 88-89. He would then move to Sacramento, where he would make the All-Star game in six of his seven years. He would never dip below 20 points per game until he left Sacramento, where he would still score more than 15 a game in Washington. He would then end his career with the Lakers and get a championship ring out of his one year in the City of Angels. 
just adding the cherry on top to his Hall of Fame career, where he would be inducted in 2014. I want to thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the first episode of the Top 100. Be sure to stay tuned over next coming weeks as we unveil week by week until the 100th episode will be the top 20 players of all time. Now, I'm pretty sure all the clips, or at least most of the clips I use, are property of the NBA. But just to be sure, I'm going to list off all the YouTube channels that I pulled this audio from. NBA. Backroom Basketball, Bleacher Report, Brad Allen, NBA Decade Ago, Cooper Showtime, Michael Cooper Highlights, Los Angeles Lakers, House of Highlights, 70s Fan, Lamar Maddock, and MJ23, his Airness Forever. Thank you so much for the audio. I think it really improved this episode a lot. So, with that being said, be sure to follow me on Twitter, slash X, at DeverHart00, and I will talk to you next week. Peace.